Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to the Kook Center Podcast, and here's your host. Oh, it's easy. You just pour kerosene over a ferret, light it on both ends, put it in. They're attracted to gas lines. What? Good. Yeah. A ferret? Yeah, or a tamed raccoon. It's a lot of trouble. Michael Preston. Well, not exactly the wonderful... Recruiting day, we were all hoping to be talking about here on the podcasting wrap up. The Cook Center are back again, live from our, well, not live, but recorded from our Greenwood studios on Greenwood Avenue with Britton Ransford of WazooWatch.com. And uh, we were talking about this earlier. If you had kind of drawn up a worst case scenario scenario, yesterday pretty much would have been it. Not a lot went right yesterday. I yeah. guess the silver lining was picking up Fajoko, but not much went Washington State's way. It no. Just, it looked like it was going to be a lot different yesterday. Yeah. We'll talk about Fajoko in a little bit. I do want to touch on uh, with Britain real quick. Uh, one guy who did commit uh, on Thursday, Sean Harper Jr., defensive back out of Hartwell, Georgia. Georgia. Three-star. Uh, he he's I think he was a wide receiver as well in high school, but they expect him to play defense, correct? Yeah, he was basically just the best athlete on the field. Kind yeah. of a smaller school in Georgia. Um, he was recruited by Alex Grinch when he was at uh, Missouri. Um, guy that was kind of under the radar. Picked up some pretty good offers. He had Louisville, Nebraska, mm-hmm. um, Cincinnati, and Indiana. And so he's obviously a guy that they saw a lot of potential in. Mm-hmm. Um, WC reached out to him a couple days ago, so they obviously knew something like this might have. Um, mm-hmm. Happened on signing day, so they uh, they had a backup plan. And obviously, this is him. He's a he's a physical. He's really speedy. Um, he has like four four five speed. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's a, a guy they think could come in and um, if they can work on his technique a little bit. Um, but he's just another body in the secondary. Yeah. That's just one of those really good athletes that they started to bring in. We'll talk about how the day went yesterday, and again, as we said, just pretty much nothing went correctly for Washington State. I think of all the guys that were solidly committed, all of them did commit. Uh, to WSU, but we did get some surprises. Uh, I think probably the biggest surprise wasn't necessarily that Tayon Mason decided to go elsewhere because he had flipped from USC about a week and a half ago and then to WSU about a week ago. So not necessarily a surprise that he flipped. A surprise where he flipped to. He went to San Jose State. We kind of talked about this before the show. We don't really know why specifically. Probably not a grades issue because... Generally, San Jose State, not a They're pretty on, par, pretty with on par with WSU in terms of academic standards. I know there's other things California can do, the state can do in terms of admissions, but pretty relatively close. 
do we have any explanation as to why that happened? It's certainly a fishy situation. I mean, when you go from uh, being committed to USC for almost a year, and yeah. then um, I'm not saying WSU is a downgrade, but it is kind of a, a shock when someone does flip from USC to WSU. And Michael so, Bumpus, yeah. Like, <laughs> And so, you, uh, and then to flip again to San Jose State, there's something wrong there. Yeah, um, when you have to, they, when you go that far down the yeah, totem pole, so to speak, and you do that all in a two week span. I mean, uh, it, it could have been in a situation where WC pulled his offer because they saw something. Um, it could have been grades. I don't know. Um, he might mm-hmm. not even be. Uh, he might be a really big grade risk, and San Jose State's the one willing to do that. I don't think WCU wants to go through that mm-hmm. again. They did it last year with Deion Singleton, so. Um, it's certainly, it was a surprise, but, um, a surprise, like you said, just because of where he landed. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dion, or (laughs) Burnett, uh, yesterday was maybe not necessarily surprised that he was a little weaker committing after flirting with Michigan, uh, last week. And I think we all kind of looked at that and said, why even bother with an offense run by Jim Harbaugh if you're a wide receiver? And then yesterday, A term used for him going to USC that I had never heard before, and I think about 90 to 95% of people had never heard before. USC wants to blue blue shirt Burnett. What does that specifically mean? It's going to be something I think you're going to start seeing a lot more of in college football. Um, It means that he wasn't recruited um, by USC in terms of he was never took an official visit. Um, he never had the USC coaches in his living room, so technically he was an unrecruited athlete. What it does is USC can bring him in. Um, he'll sign paperwork that says he basically has a spot on the team, but he's a, mm-hmm. a preferred walk-on. So if he enrolls in the summer, he's essentially going to be paying his own way until they can put him on scholarship in August. So the point of it is he doesn't count towards the 25 they're bringing in in this class, mm-hmm. um, if that makes sense. So he's it's basically an advanced scholarship to yeah. 2016, so um, he's still a recruitable athlete. It'd be interesting to see um, if other schools kind of go after him, yeah. especially schools in the area. Because that's that's the thing is he the, the his recruitment wouldn't necessarily. I mean, whether whether he just shuts it down completely and decides to go to USC, that's one thing. But if he, you can still call him and still say we will give yeah. you if you're WSU. Look, we're still offering you a scholarship. You can come up here. You can be on scholarship right away, right yeah. now. And, you know, with the situation at receiver for WSU, you may even play right away. But uh-huh. you can still call him if you want to, right? Yeah, and it almost seems like he might have got caught up in um, a lot of those Sarah guys. They signed with USC, and it's been kind of a feeder school for him. So um, when he gets a call from Sark the day or two days before, yeah, I mean, because it sounded like when what we were hearing – on Monday was that he kind of he showed shoot off Michigan. He was kind of over that. He didn't want to make the emotional decision coming back, um, and it looked like after conversations with Leach um, early in the week that he was pretty set on coming to Washington State. He was planning on signing, um, and then he gets a call. It sounds like from Sark with this situation laid on the table, and uh, it all kind of fell together, I guess, by Thursday. And I think donning that USC hat with his three best buddies next to him, um, or two best buddies, John Houston and uh, Raheem Green. Uh, I think that had a lot to do with it, too. Mm-hmm. Thanks a lot, Steve. Uh, <laughs> Little Steve. Yeah, Steve, or Steve Ransford. Britton Ransford joining Steve us. Steve Ransford works, too. That would have been, well, no, you'd, never mind about tequila. <laughs> um, <laughs> Britton Ransford joining us here on the Coog Center Hour. Uh, we're kind of wrapping up National Signing Day. Uh, and With a Rainier beer. With a Rainier beer. Well, that's important because... 
I know, I'm probably not the only person who did this, had a Super Bowl party. We're not going to talk about that. We had a Super Bowl party on Sunday, and we did bring your own, obviously, and I had a supply in the cooler already, but I somehow ended up acquiring more beer. That's the whole point of beer. parties, though, I thought. I think so. Well, no, you're right. Well, I figured that out my junior year in college, yeah. that anymore, I'm, I'm not buying the beer. You bring no, guys, come over to my house. It. Yeah, no, yeah, just bring your own beer, and I somehow <laughs> go from having a 30-bomb of Bush Light to three 30-bombs of it, and the Keystone Ice, I make the guests drink. Um... <laughs> Eddie Rudinsky, we can talk about a little bit. He, uh, I, I don't know if it was really shocking considering he'd had that offer to play for Dartmouth. Uh, Dartmouth, obviously, academically, is a really excellent school. Yeah. He's not going to get a scholarship to go to the Ivy League. Uh, their rules prohibit that. But that, I think, for him, I, you know, you try not to blame an 18 year old kid for making any kind of decision with whatever logic because they're 18. But that seemed, in terms of him wanting to focus on his schooling as well as football. It seemed like a pretty natural decision for him. In the grand scheme of things, it's kind of cool to see a kid do that. Yeah. Um, but for WSU, I'm not sure if the staff was aware of it or not, but um, it's obviously a blow. It was one of those kids that I thought could come in immediately and um, do a lot on special teams mm-hmm. and then maybe compete for that two deeps right away. He was mm-hmm. a, a pretty good talent. But, uh, yeah, I guess, well, I learned that, Dartmouth doesn't give out those scholarships. Correct, yeah. Ivy League schools don't give out so, scholarships. And he was a good student, so he obviously probably got some um, academic scholarships. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it, it's a tough blow for him, for WSU just because uh, I think they really liked his potential. He was mm-hmm. a top 25 inside linebacker in the country. And uh, so, uh, yeah, tough tough break there. But it, it did come as a surprise because I talked to him last week and he made no mention of it. And mm-hmm. So it might have been a parent decision or... Uh, whatever he did, he goes to a very prestigious um, academic school in yeah, Oaks Christian, Christian down yeah. there, and so um, and money's obviously not an issue here, and no. it, it was obviously an uh, academic um, decision. Mm-hmm. All right, enough of the bad news, including my acquiring of beer and tears on Sunday. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about uh, who did end up signing with Washington State yesterday. We did get a surprise in the morning. T.J. Fahoko, I'm saying his name yeah. correctly. T.J. Fahoko from uh, Salt Lake City went to Cottonwood Senior High School. Uh, six foot one, two hundred and forty five pound defensive end. More that not not from Samoa. But, Sounds like he's even heavier. I think we yeah. haven't updated his profile. I think he's closer to two seventy now. Okay. Gains about two twenty pounds over the last year, and so yeah. um, they think he can still add another uh, significant amount of weight. Get him up to near 300 pounds. But this was yeah. a big surprise. On so we did yeah. this came out of nowhere for WSU. Ish, yeah. Uh, he, we knew that when he decommitted from Colorado that uh-huh. uh, WSU was still in the equation. But then he immediately took visits to UNLV, uh, Nevada, and then NC State. Mm-hmm. Uh, he ended up putting three hats on the table, UNLV, not UNLV, uh, Nevada and NC State. And so um, he's cousins with Thomas Toki. Thomas Toki was hinting at something big coming for WSU. And so mm-hmm. when he did pick it, it wasn't as big as a surprise, but that all came, came together on yeah. Thursday. He's a beast. The kid is a relentless pass rusher. He yeah. led the nation over the last four years in sacks. He had about 77 in four mm-hmm. years, most of that coming in the last two years where he had about 55. So he, uh, yeah, big get for them, especially with what's all happened and losing, Dylan Thaumatu, mm-hmm. another guy on the defensive line. So when you look at this defensive line class now with Jeremiah Mitchell, Thomas Toki, yep. and Fahoko, it, it's a really good and, and Maddox, Hunter Maddox as well. Maddox yeah. and I think all three or all four of those guys can come in um, pretty quickly and make an impact. They're all exciting guys, and I think that's the one of the highlights of this class. Yeah, I was going to ask is because it seems like those guys are good enough, especially Toki on the four star recruit. Yeah. Maybe not necessarily getting past Nalu Tapa, who I 
I keep telling people this big old kid was registering all last I, year. I You're going to see, see him that. come in and wreck some fools next year. Yeah. But those guys seem like three kids who Joe Salaba did a lot of really good work on, and he got guys who could pretty much come in right now and at least push, if not play a little bit, uh, in 2015. I think it was big, too, because of the guys they lose. They lose Tony mm-hmm. Pole and Xavier Cooper, and so I'm getting that late Fajoko was just that much bigger because yeah. of that. Um, it, they added some bodies. Yeah, certainly now they're going about eight, nine deep on the defensive line, and that's huge for them. Yep. And I think that's kind of where they want their numbers to be. Uh, early in Leach's tenure here, they were only sitting about yeah. six or seven. So when an injury came, they were leaving three guys out there at all times, and so that yeah. really um, has an impact. And so going through spring and fall drills, uh, it'll get a lot of guys more reps, and they'll be mm-hmm. fresher. And so it's a it's big to get that many guys and it's a priority for him yeah we'll get a little better idea about what those guys can do as we kind of find out about what Alex Grinch wants to do with the defense because right now all we know is that he's going to run a 3-4 it's like okay but there are different you know is he going to use a buck like Mike Bresky did or what is he going to do is he going to you know Clancy Pendergrass runs a variation of a 3-4 with a 5-2 where two of the guys on the line can also stand up and move back if they need to so just all kind of depends on what Alex Rich is running. We I'd don't expect know yet, him really. to kind of mix, mix up like that. You yeah. Know? So um, the numbers is just the big part. Yeah. We'll see what he does. Um, Britton Ransford again joining us here from WazooWatch.com. Some good coverage of Earthang in a club that happened on Wednesday. And uh, you have one of those high stress jobs like in Texas or Alabama either. So that's kind of. Kind of nice. Yeah, right? yesterday yeah. was a little stressful. Yeah, yesterday was. Well, I mean, yeah, it was stressful anyway. But no, but no, it's yeah. not as big. I mean, I would have to have like a staff. I can do this by myself. I yeah, mean, those guys have staffs <laughs> of like 15, 20 people. We'd have gone through the whole bottle of Pendleton yesterday. Yeah. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, offense. We didn't really mention Tyler Holinsky yesterday at all because he's already on campus. He yeah. graduated from Upland early. Wrapped up a while ago. Yeah, he's been on campus for a while. A guy who probably is going to come in, and I mean, you know, quarterbacks. Flies undone. <laughs> There's a microphone, right? You don't have to say it. He doesn't need to announce that his fly was open, but holy hell. Uh, Tyler, this is just, get me another beer. Uh, Tyler Linsky. Um, the quarterback position next season, it kind of feels like to me, it's, it's Luke Falk's job initially. He will yeah. probably be number one on the depth chart. Leach wouldn't tell you as much, but I well, no, I know Mike. Le- no, I know he's not going to, but the- and that's fine. But we can assume that it's Luke Falk's job, all but to lose. And yeah. uh, but from everything we've heard, Peyton Bender's an excellent quarterback. He's my favorite. Yeah, Tyler Helinski comes with a good pedigree into WSU. Is there any chance he pushes, or they they really want to redshirt him, don't they? As they do with most freshman quarterbacks. Sounds like Linsky's made a really cool impression. He's got there. He's like. He's been a leader. They talk about it's just his leadership abilities, being vocal mm-hmm. with uh, the recruits that are coming in on these visits and stuff. And so, um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him push for something. I they don't like. I, I don't think if, when you have Falk and Bender there, those are two capable quarterbacks. And yeah. at least we we know Falk has potential, or he, he's shown on the field. And then um, I, I'm really excited about Peyton Bender, but I don't think they'd want to burn that red that mm-hmm. red shirt. Um, You'd, you'd probably see a transfer if that happened. Yeah. Uh, but he's a guy that I think they really like. Yeah. A lot of size with 6'3", almost 200 pounds. Mm-hmm. And he is mobile. Uh, if you look at his high school stats, he had quite a few big runs. He uh, can escape the pocket and make throws on the run. So that's mm-hmm. something. Uh, he's a little bit more athletic than obviously Connor Holiday was. But Connor mm-hmm. can make the throws on the run. I think Polinski can do that too. 
um, good strong arm, and he's very accurate, uh, good footwork, and so they're pretty excited about him. But I think all three of them will come in, just on an even slate. I think that's how they just want to do it, and, mm. and then it'll it'll probably narrow it down to Falk and Bender, and yeah. I think that'll be a really cool battle to watch in fall camp. I have to wait and see. Uh, without Burnett, only two wide receivers in this class. One of them, Kyle Sweet, a guy who committed just before Christmas uh-huh. uh, from Rancho Santa Margarita, Clay Thompson's hometown. What, what? Um, and then you got another guy who, until today, had not been evaluated by anybody, a junior college transfer from Saddleback in Mission Viejo. Uh, he was listed as Christopher Dimery, but it's CJ Dimery. Um Sweet, we know, probably the size of an inside guy at six foot, they 180. Him. Yeah, he's he's about the size of your Ricky Galvins, your River Cray Crafts, your mm-hmm. Calvin Greens, that size of guy. Just not quite the size to play on the outside. Dimery, though, is six foot six. Yeah. And I, I, I'm i not a big, I'm not, I'm not a perfect evaluator of talent. I don't think anybody is, but I'm less perfect than most. But watching his tape, you pretty much notice that his route running isn't the sharpest. His cuts aren't the sharpest. But what he can do is he can run straight, yep. and he can go up and get the football. And that's pretty much why they wanted him, right? At 6'6", he runs. I mean, he has good wheels on him. Yeah. And uh, yesterday, Leach specifically said he's a good vertical route runner. And we talked about it before the show. As if I have 4'5 <laughs> speed and I was 6'6", six, six, and the only thing you were evaluate, evaluated on was your vertical route running, I mean, we all got a chance, you know? Yeah. Um, so what I think what they think he's going to do is they're just going to send, hey, go straight, run 90, or just a uh, streak, you know? And uh, yeah. they'll throw the ball up to him, and he'll either um, break up interception or catch it. And they'll do a lot of stuff with him in fade routes, but he was a late addition, and I think it'll be a lot like Vince Maley. When he started out, he was... Um, kind of raw, and it took him a while last year mm-hmm. or two years ago to really get involved. Um, and I think he'll grow a lot. Yeah. It's going to take him a while to get used to the speed of a Pac-12 defense mm-hmm. and uh, working within that offense. But he's not a terrible prospect, but he's obviously a, a raw, very, very raw. Yeah. And uh, the size is exciting because if you can develop that, and maybe they found a diamond in the rough, so... Mm-hmm. Um, the size is obviously there, and they'll probably want to put him out there pretty soon. So mm-hmm. it'll be important that he gets in and um, really learns the system quickly. Talk about the linebacker who I was really excited about was Logan Tago, the uh, kid from American Samoa, six foot three, two hundred and thirty pounds is what he's listed at. Only two stars by rivals, but we were talking about earlier. It just was hard to get out there and evaluate him. But he had offers from Oregon and Washington. He had big, big offers, Colorado, but again, that's Coach Joe getting out there and having a relationship with a kid who, watching his tape, he moves laterally really quickly, and the kid hits like a ton of bricks. With the linebacker situation right now at WSU, no Daryl Monroe, a couple of graduations, it's not too out of the realm of possibility that he could be playing on a regular basis next year. Yeah, he's a guy that they expect to probably come in and compete for some kind of position. I think yesterday... Leach talked about he could be a safety, an outside linebacker, an inside linebacker, a defensive end. He can play wide receiver, outside or inside, and he said tight end. So, I mean, the only positions is really he can't play is like a defensive tackle, a quarterback, or a running back. Line, I mean, yeah. Yeah, he could probably still play running back, too. The kids yeah. are just, he's the best athlete in American Samoa. And people I talked to said he's one of the best athletes to come out of there, I mean, probably since Destiny Bejao. Yeah. Um, he's that good of an athlete. He really excelled down. They did an American Samoa. A Polynesian type All Star game down mm-hmm. in Southern California a couple weeks ago, and he, he played really well down there. 
he's a he's a guy that I think they do expect to come in and uh, wherever they decide to put him, I think yeah. they'll start him out of outside linebacker. That's probably his most natural spot. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we would talk about um, offensive linemen, and I, I don't I don't mean to diminish the importance of having offensive linemen. You signed one, two, three, four, five in this class, but generally these guys just get in there, they hit the weight room and the red shirt, and you generally don't hear anything from them for about two or three years. Yeah. Um, but who for you of those offensive linemen, I, I would say probably Noah Myers might be yeah. the most intriguing offensive lineman in this class, but would it be him the probably the best one they got? I, I listened to Clay McGuire on the Jason Gesser and Alex Brink show yesterday. They did the mm-hmm. signing day show, and he was raving about Noah Myers and how um, Cal came late for him, and so he, he remained committed there and was really stoked about that. But when he talked about his body, he was 330 when they first started recruiting him, mm-hmm. and it, it was not very much good weight there he got down to 300 pounds and he was demolishing kids uh they want to play him at center and he said he said he'd probably they'd probably be the biggest center they've had in this system he's six yeah. five 300 pounds um and so clay mcguire was really excited about him he said of all these guys he's one of the most he's excited about but he said that the, most of these guys especially with everyone coming back in a red shirt but he mm-hmm. expects three of these guys in this class he said um to really push for starting jobs in 2016 uh-huh. Uh, another guy he was really excited about was Cedric Biggie Duran, mm-hmm. another huge body uh, guy that can play. I, I I I don't like him for one reason. The kid shaved off that beautiful, beautiful lock of curly long hair. I know. It was I I, I already don't like his judgment very much. <laughs> I am already not very approving of that. Uh, but that's I'm. He's if, a, that, if that's his biggest problem <laughs> character-wise, then that's fine. Uh, Britton Ransford again joining us from WazooWatch.com, wrapping up National Signing Day, which, yeah, could have gone a lot better, but still, still did okay. Yeah, they did, they did pretty well. Like, number 10 in conference right ahead of Colorado and Oregon yeah, State. Yeah, they still got room to move. I think yeah. they're sitting in the country about 55 now with the addition of Harper. Uh, and they still got one more spot open. They, they got, got another, still, spot, they got open. another spot open. I think yeah. if they add a three-star or someone like that, they'll move up to about 50, and that's mm-hmm. Even with Michigan, so um, obviously there. And that had a little more to do with Brady Hope than Jim Harbaugh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that had yeah. Well, I'm a and you Mich- Michigan at, family, but yeah, you got to look at some of the guys in this class that didn't get evaluated. That throws that off. You mm-hmm. look at yeah, uh, Tago and Jeremiah Mitchell, the two star kind of is my. But they aren't. Yeah, but they aren't. Yeah, two stars. Um, I want to one place we haven't touched on yet. I, I would touch on Matt Abramo, the kicker who got your favorite Kook Center. Yeah, well, my favorite because I'm a kicker at heart, even though that was apparently too dangerous for my parents. Um, it's a 15 yard penalty like if they hit me. No, you wouldn't. It would be awful. Um, maybe back when I was skinnier, uh, <laughs> down down in my playing weight. <laughs> um, uh, one area that uh, we had talked about before the season started, and or before after the season ended that they needed to address immediately was the defensive secondary. Yeah. They, I mean, we all, the problems back there are well freaking documented. Uh, they went out and did that. Guys who can play right away, and Treshawn Broughton, he will be expected to play right away. We'll go over him real quick, and then we just kind of go over. Yeah. Uh, Shalom Lanai. Luani. Luani, thank you. Uh, we'll probably go back, take t- Taylor Talulu's spot uh, at strong safety. Uh, and Darren Moulton will be coming, and he's a freshman, so we'll probably see him redshirt Cameron Powell as well. And then you got guys coming off of red shirts in Sebastian LaRue, Jeff Farrar. We talked before, the staff wants to redshirt some of the freshmen they had to play last year. Yeah. I'm sure they want to redshirt the freshmen coming in, but these junior college guys are kind of that stopgap 
for two years to really kind of try to get the secondary in order. So it's, you know, better next year, maybe not necessarily a world-beating secondary, but two years from now, it is one of the better secondaries in the conference. Yeah, you're not bringing in these Juco guys to have them sit on the bench. They want to get these guys in so they can they can <clears> register the, the young guys they played last year. Shalom Luani is probably my, my favorite prospect mm-hmm. in this class. He's He just does everything really well. He mm-hmm. hits hard. He's got speed. He can um, play in coverage. Uh, he's a guy that it'll probably come in, yet, like you said, take ta- Taylor Chaliulu's spot. And then Trayshawn Brown's almost an identical clone of... Uh, Saquon Brown, he's got, he's got a mouth on him. He'll, he'll let the, the receiver know My he's My favorite there. thing about cornerbacks, I love it when they got a mouth, yeah. <laughs> and so, and, but he does a lot of things well, too. Um, uh-huh. Two guys. I, I wouldn't even be surprised if they bring in another uh, Juco uh, defensive back, yeah. particularly safety. I know they're looking at um, maybe one, one of them right now. Uh, so, they obviously want to get those young guys redshirted. Um, and then, Darren Moulton, he's more of a project. He was hurt most of his senior year, so mm-hmm. that hurt his stock a little bit, but... He's a guy that uh, does a lot of things well. He doesn't jump off the charts anywhere, but he's a solid cornerback that in a couple of years could probably come in and do some good things. I mean, then Cameron Powell uh, may, might be one of the biggest steals um, on the West Coast. The guy mm-hmm. is, uh, they call him, I don't know what they call him, he's a hard hitter. I think they call him Headhunter or something. Do I know another guy named Cam who hits hard? Maybe. I heard he got mm-hmm. hurt. I heard he got hurt. Might have. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, he, uh, Cameron Powell's, yeah. He's a guy that can almost come in and compete right away on special teams. I think he's a guy that they'd really like to have on special teams. Mm-hmm. And it'll depend on how he does in coverage. He sometimes has lapses, but he recovers well. And he's got a lot of speed, high-end speed. So mm-hmm. um, they got a lot of a talent back there. I think the three spots you look at is the secondary, the defensive line, the offensive line. This is where this class was heavy. Yeah. And I think this is where this class really loaded it up on a yeah. lot of talent. Well, I'm glad they're going to take a chancellor on Mr. Powell. Uh... <laughs> I was saving that. Uh, that was so good. I don't know if we talked about Thomas Toki already, but I mean, the kid's just yeah huge and I, awesome. I watched watched the tape again yesterday, and I just keep it, it's it's so awesome to see a guy his size at six six one ish. Yeah, um, three hundred maybe plus, yeah. six one. Uh, but they they don't mind having their nose guys on that a little shorter, shorter. Yeah, but he's just a bull. He'll bull rush you, and he's really good in one on one. He takes up a lot of space down there, so it opens mm-hmm. up a lot of room for the linebackers behind him mm-hmm. to get in that running game. So, uh, yeah, it, it was really big to keep him. I think we've talked about him a lot, but he's a, a guy that is probably the headliner of this class, and yeah. rightfully so. Uh, overall, uh, again, didn't quite go as well as they might have hoped uh, yesterday. And, in fact, we talked about it at the beginning. Um, if you'd drawn up kind of a worst-case scenario, scenario that pretty much fitted to a T with these guys. But... Relatively speaking, still a pretty good class. I mean, really, if it hadn't been for Dennis Simmons, I mean, you know, I, I don't begrudge him for going and taking no that way. job at Oklahoma. The timing was just god awful. Yeah. Um, if not for that defection, they probably keep a Burnett. They probably keep Green. I, I don't Green, know if maybe as yeah. much with anybody else. I think a lot of people over it. Just yesterday just didn't go well, and a lot of people. Yeah really just focused on the Dennis Simmons deal. But when what you're really looking at is Kava Tazino, I don't think that had much to do with it. He really oh, wanted, he wanted to stay at home. home. I, mean, I get that, yeah. And then Dylan Falamatu, he just it, he took like three visits out to Arizona State. So that was a place he felt really comfortable. I'm, not, I'm sure the numbers weren't there early when he committed to WSU at mm-hmm. Arizona State. They were probably in on other guys. And when they said, hey, this is a committable offer now, he jumped on it. And so those two were Dennis Simmons guys that I think really – 
didn't have a too big of an impact. Obviously, the huge impact I think you'll you would see them here if he was still here was Dog Green and um, Burnett. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it, it's tough to. I mean, it's easy to just gravitate towards that yeah. being the issue, but um, there was more factors than that. Recruiting's all wrapped up for now, right? Because now we're going to do a dead period, if I remember right. Or what are we into now for yeah. a while? It's a it's a dead period. You don't get uh, you don't get a call recruit. So I think you get maybe get one. You're in a dead period until like April fifteenth or something. So yeah. Right now is when you're just watching a lot of film on 2016 guys, getting your board set up there. Um, mm-hmm. Probably starting to pass. I think a lot of offers were going out this morning. Stanford was really active, mm-hmm. uh, and so I think you'll start to see WSU start to send out quite a few offers now to the 2016 kids. And I think you'll see Alex Grinch and Roy Manning have a really cool impact on this next class. I think they're. Yeah. Um, very big upgrades. And then it'll be interesting to see who they bring in um, for Dan Simmons. Um, mm-hmm. They'll probably want to make that hire soon so he can immediately get in and start recruiting. Um, receivers, especially in a class that's going to look like it's going to focus on receivers uh, yep. heavily next year. And so uh, getting that filled, I think one of the guys um, a lot of people have mentioned is Jarrell Jackson, um, JJ Jackson, the director of player relations, who filled in when uh, Valero and Bresky were gone. Mm-hmm. Um Really good recruiter. He was a uh, he was a receivers coach at maybe Dartmouth or some one of those uh, smaller schools. But yeah, he has experience there. He's already on staff. He's familiar mm-hmm. with the recruiting trail, so he's a guy that looks at right away. But um, yeah, it, it, it'll, I'm going to take a little break. But <laughs> but the staff isn't. They're already uh, after the 2016 class. Well, you get you get you get a few weeks off here because Mariners are starting soon, which we're looking I forward to here wait. in town. But. Um, I want to emphasize because I know some, you know, if you're scared that no one's committed yet for 2016, there was only one guy committed yeah. at this time for the, for, for this current class, there was only person, one person committed at this kind of time of year last year. And that was Thomas Token. And it you look at where one he, guy. So it's, he, yeah. And you look at where he was from when he committed, he was an in-state guy going to Juanita. So yeah, uh, it's, it, you'll see the, the USC's and the UCLA's and all those other schools getting, um, those early commits, but it's because it, they're so close to those campuses, those kids that yeah. are committing to them. Um, it's tough to get kids up to WSU. You'll yeah. see a junior day coming up here soon. They got some big prospects up there last year. Yeah. I think junior days in two and a half weeks. And so mm-hmm. you might see some action there, but uh, WSU's never really had the focused on the, the yeah. future classes. Um, they'll start going after it hard now. I want to focus on one more question before we let you go. Um, I know there's been a concern from some folks about Mike Leach and his staff not recruiting the state of Washington. Yeah, not recruiting the state of Washington enough. I don't think it's a matter of they're not being enough good players. There are good players in Washington, just not quite the dearth of talent you see in the Bay Area in L.A. where they have strong recruiting ties, mm-hmm. or now with Alex Grinch a little bit in the Southeast as well. I I know it's kind of... Kind of I don't know why I can't remember the term for it, but it's kind of you know not right to say as a Cougar fan, but U Dub has a pretty good hold on this it's, side of the state, and even even Oregon can't come into King County, yeah. Pierce County, Snohomish County generally, and get kids to come to Oregon. And so by choosing, is is it's probably better for them to realize that look, it's a fruitless effort. If there's a kid we really like, we'll go see him because he's nearby. But we're not going to spend a ton of time on him if Washington has already offered him and they already seem to be the favorite. I, I don't think they're scared of Washington, actually. I, I think what 
it wasn't a matter of them not sacrilegious. That was the word I was thinking of. Anyway, sorry. It wasn't ahead. a matter of them not recruiting the state hard. They did. They were over there at, late in the cycle. They lost their in-state recruiter Eric Russell. So, yeah. I mean, it was the middle of the season, so that had a big impact on it too. Um, they offered double-digit guys, but when you hear that they're not interested in coming to Washington State University, you're not going to waste your resources there anymore. Yeah. Um, you think, well, they did have Austin Joyner committed there for about eight months, and so they did have a guy. Yeah. Um, and then his recruiters left, and so he he would still be in this class if the recruiters didn't get fired. I mean, I'm fine with him not being not, in this class. We're not going to keep a coach over a kid, <laughs> one recruit. Yeah. You know, especially a recruit that's never played the position we're recruiting in for. So. Yeah. Um, I don't think, and Chris Peterson, all credit to him. I mean, he did a damn good job recruiting mm-hmm. in state this year. He pulled in a lot of talent and. Um, I think a lot of people like to put a fence up, but I don't think they put a fence up no. in between Montlake and Pullman. I think Mike Leach is still going to go after those kids. Um, you got to win. You got to change the perception in the state of Washington mm-hmm. that, hey, this is a program that we're doing good things, but you got to get the wins on paper. Three is not going to cut it, and you're not going to convince some of the top talent in the state to come all the way across the state to a program that has no tradition of winning since they've been alive. Um, yeah. So. Uh, not alive. I mean, obviously they they were like very five, very they were very old. very young last time this yeah. team won consistently. So and I don't, they're not going to back down to anybody, um, and they're still going to recruit the state. They're still going to they sent out like thirteen offers and to kids, and mm-hmm. I think that's about maxing out in the state of Washington. Per yeah. Year. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, it, UWs they're going to have to start recruiting. They have to get wins first of all, and you don't want this to start to be a trend. And so they're going to recruit. I think the state of Washington a lot harder this year. Um, Eric Maley is going to, it looks like, going to take over the in-state duties. And he did yeah. a good job getting quite a few um, pretty good preferred walk-on guys, which I'll have up on the site here in the next week or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously that's not going to excite anybody. But, no, yeah, but he's preferred getting, walk-ons rarely <laughs> excite anybody, yeah. but he's No getting, no offense to those guys. They're, yeah. they're fine young men, but it's just, it's, yeah, sorry. But he's getting into those, he's getting in, building relationships quickly, and so... I think outside, I mean, through the lakes and your your Bellevues, I think WSU is going to still go after a lot of kids. Seven months to kick off, very long time between now and then, and Britain Ransford gets to take a it break. Can, it can, I mean, it can be eight months if it wants to be. I mean, <laughs> we can push it out as much as we want. No, man, I want it to be tomorrow. All right. I want it to be tomorrow. Basketball team still is, well, I believe in our next I'm excited though. for tonight. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They have a they're chance playing, to get back to 500. They're playing Oregon play, State right? and Oregon, and they, play, they beat Oregon last time, and they're still... They got some revenge still, to get back on the fighting still, beavers. They're still ahead of Washington. <laughs> they are. Washington's just a dumpster fire now. You see that game last night? Yeah. You see oh, that, yeah. that yeah. last possession play? I mean. Well, but, you know, it was really funny. Well, we're rambling on Washington, yeah. so we'll end it quickly. But everybody, well, that was a Ken Bone play. Well, no, someone was open. Someone yeah. was open. That cutter? There was, there was somebody with, yeah. Kemp was wide open. That's oh, not a Ken Bone. If it were a Ken Bone play, five guys would have fallen down and had seizures <laughs> on the court. Britton Ransford <laughs> wrapping up signing day with us. He's going to go home. Drink a bottle of Pendleton and relax a little bit. I drank it last night. Okay, well, he drank it last night. He's going to drink another bottle of Pendleton. not an alcoholic tonight. No, I know he's not. Well, he's a kook. Uh, (laughs) Seven months away from football, we'll see you all. uh, We'll probably do another one of these podcasts right when we get close to practice time uh, when these guys are actually on campus and having worked out. Until then. But I'm still going to be doing recruiting coverage on wazoowatch.com for the 2016 class starting at some point, so come hang out. See, that's a really good pitch, really, to get it in there right at the end. That's yeah. that's that's good. That's no good one's listening pitching. anymore, though. No, I know they're not. We've been talking about the Huskies too much. <laughs> uh, that'll do it for us here from the Greenwood Studios of the Coop Center Hour. Have yourself a fine, fine day.
Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.